0: Some of you are probably looking at your watches or your phones um, If you saw me scooching around up here uh, it was because I was trying to tell Kurt just do all, do your whole worship set I'll trim so um, if you're worrying about 25 minutes uh, we're, we're, we're gonna be good on this um, we're going I got to talk to the projection people because I don't know who's up there so I couldn't text them we're only going to do the um, the Calling of Matthew, uh, 9, 9, and Following. So it's the third of the three stories that we originally had planned. Um, all right, a couple things. One, I had a friend, Ty Hoag, dear friend of mine. Um, in fact, if you ever hung out with us, you would say brothers of different mothers, that kind of stuff. Um, some of you do know him. Uh, Ty and I worked together side by side for years and years and years. Love him to death. Um, he is as ADD as I am, so it's hilarious to watch. Uh, But I want to, there was one time when things were getting difficult at the place that we, the place that we worked, and he walked out of my office and walked down the hall, came back, knocked on my door, opened the door and said, I just wish it could be easier. And I think a lot of us see our faith journey as, I just wish it could be easier. Because we get caught in this, um, this cycle of, sin management. Sometimes we, we think that if I could just be, I mean, Jesus died for me and I'm a sinner who saved, you know, I get to go to heaven. I'm a sinner who's saved from hell. I got fire insurance. I'm not going to burn. Cool. And now I got to be better. I got to be better. I got to be better. I got to do more, and then we fail, and we feel ashamed, and then we go and we get that shame cycle, and then we go back to the Lord and like, Lord, I know I'm going to try harder this time, and I know, just forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. I know, no, 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 but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do, do more. I'm going I'm to try harder. I'm not going to that thing. I'm not going to do that thing again. Two weeks later, ugh. see, we got the order wrong. Sometimes we think that if we just do better, we'll have more of God. We'll have more, you know, our walk with God will get closer. Folks, I'm going to tell you something today. You will never have more God than you have right now. Ever. And I'm going to tell you how I know that. Scripture. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So my sin is no longer my own. It's his. He became it and he died so that I won't have to pay the price. Cool. But did he metaphorically become sin? Or did he really, literally become sin for me? Well, if it's metaphorical, then we're all, we're insane. We're crazy to follow this. If it was metaphorical and it's a nice literary story, then we're crazy. He literally died and became my sin. And 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, when someone is in Christ, it's a new creation. The old, gone. The new has come. Okay. That means I am no longer who I was. I now am someone completely different. If I have received the forgiveness Of God and the redemption of Christ, and all, and I take all that He did and all that He is, and I say, Yes, Lord, then He no longer takes up resonance in stone and brick and mortar, but in me. So the old is gone, the new has come. So now I am Saint Trent, and you are Saint, fill in your name. You're not a sinner who's been who's been forgiven and now you've got to try harder to not sin anymore. That's what we get caught up in. We're first a saint. You are who Christ made you to be. So our job is to participate with the Lord and become who we already are in Christ. Those are Paul's words, not mine. How do I know that you've got all the God you're ever going to get? Because the whole of the deity through the Holy Spirit lives in you. So you can't get closer to God. He's inside of you. There's nothing you can do to make him more present. You can, but you can choose to be loved more by him. See, we, sometimes we think that if I sin less, I can love more. If I sin less, I can be more like Jesus. That will fail every time. If I'm loved more and I experience the love that God has for me more internally and who I am, and I see myself how He sees me, and I see others the way He sees others because He lives in me, He's going to give me new eyes, then the more I love, the less I'll sin. But we try to do it the less I sin, the more I'll love. It will never work. But the more I love and the more I am loved, the less I'll sin. Sin is a byproduct, not an effort. And 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 I'll show you how I know this. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, good, did I say goodness already? Self-control. I always miss one. What is it, Kurt? What did I miss? Okay. It's not something that I muster up. It's something that the Lord produces in me. The fruit of the spirit is the byproduct of the spirit working in me. And it's not that I will have some love and have some joy and have some peace. All of those things will be the byproduct of the work that God is doing in me. Because he lives in me. So I can't get any closer to God. I'm already as close to God as I'm ever going to get. And God is as big as he's ever going to be in me. And that's an awesome thing. But we get caught up and I've got to please him. I've got to please him. I've got to please him. Instead of I'm going to live like I'm pleased with him because he's pleased with me. And I'm not saying sin all you want. That's not it. But it's not first love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control, and then you'll have the Spirit. It's you have the Spirit, and He produces these things in you, the fruit of the Spirit. It's the works of the flesh. I'm talking in Galatians 5, 19 through 21 right there. So let's look at this story. I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. And I know my voice is a little up. I'm high up in register. I'm going to settle down here for a second. But I only have a certain amount of time, and I want you to see, just like with the Sermon on the Mount. That first thing, first public sermon in the gospel, according to Matthew, God shows up on the planet and he wants to tell us some things. And they're very important. And when we read these stories of healings, of callings, of deliverances, sometimes we just think of the story. It tells us what Jesus did. But folks, it tells us who Jesus is. And there's a big difference. Jesus did miracles. He healed a leper. He had lots of them, but the one we were going to read today. And he healed a paralytic. That's awesome. But look at what, not just what he did, but who he is. Jesus' ministry was to show us his heart because his heart is the heart of the Father. And he only does what the Father would have him do. He doesn't do anything that the Father wouldn't have him do. So he says, me and my Father are one. They can't get any closer. But he tells us, remain in me. As I remain in you, he can't get any closer. But sometimes we get it in our head that we've got to figure out how to show him that we're worthy. And I'm going to tell you, folks, no one's worthy. But he loves you anyway. The calling of Matthew. And Jesus went on from there. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told them. And Matthew got up and he followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners, in quotes, that's a whole class of people back in the day, came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Why does he say that last thing? I've not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Because no one is righteous. And the harder we try to be righteous, the less righteous we become. The Pharisees, I think that was who it was there, the teachers of the law in the other passage, the Pharisees are the people that, they're the quote-unquote, they weren't Christians, but they're the quote-unquote really good Christians of their day. They were trying to hear the law of God and all God intended and apply it not just in their temple worship, but then in their day-to-day life. And so they made up more and more rules and more and more rules, and they tried so hard to become holy. And Jesus right here is telling them, you're not. No one is. I have come to make you holy. You can't make yourself holy. That's the whole point of the law, is to show us that we can't appease God. Matthew, the tax collector. Anyone, if if an IRS agent knocked on your door, said, "Hey, we're here to look over your taxes," are you going to go? Come on in. You want some bun cake? Monkey bread? Can I get you a drink? You're going to be going, even if you're as honest as the day is long, you're going to, that is not a person. No, and if you're at IRS, please don't. I'm trying to use it as an example. It's not fair that we see you as, you know, um, Tax collectors in that day were traitors to their own people. They would get someone who's indigenous, so a Jewish man. Rome would hire them and make them the tax collector for a particular precinct or district or city. You know, they had, there's chief tax collectors and and, and those uh, others. But Matthew was high enough that he had his own booth and what it was, the city, kind of the city center. And it's a city, Capernaum here is about the size of, uh, it would be kind of like Grand Haven. You know, it's got a main thoroughfare going through it and that's where he's sitting. And Matthew Uh, the way they set it up is that they say, this is the amount of money you need to get from this particular precinct or district. But anything you get beyond that, you keep. And the reason they set it up that way is there's a way to keep someone being subversive toward their fellow countrymen and loyal to Rome. Because it is very hard if you can just twist another arm or, or poke another chest or, or make someone feel guilty or you saw them sell something and you want, you want your cut. It's very hard if I can get more from you and enrich myself, it's really hard for me to turn away from that. It's called greed. So Matthew was a traitor to his people. He was despised by all. No one trusted him. Everyone avoided him. And what does Jesus say? He sees, a, he sees a man named Matthew sitting in his booth and Jesus comes up and he says, now I want you to pay back everyone you've stolen from fourfold, right? And then, and then once you've done that, I want you to go wash in the pool of Siloam, right? Yeah. And, then, and then once you're all clean and good, once you've taken a shower, or once you've cleaned up, then you come to me and follow after me and I'll give you a shower. Now what he did. He walked by Matthew and he goes and I don't know how exactly how it went, but it's a, he's going, hey, Matthew, come, come on, come with me. And the guy popped up and did it. So he, he broke the law. He left the money for Rome sitting where it was. And not only that, but then he went and he called all his friends, the sinners and the other tax collectors, the dredges of society, and he called them over. And, he, and Jesus is the guest of honor. Do you see what Jesus did? See, we read it while, he, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, he told him to put away the kegs, don't take any more jello shots, and make sure that the hookah stays outside. That's not what he said. He had a party with them. And whatever they offered to him, he received as worship, just like Kurt was talking about a minute ago. And who had issue with it? The people who were good. And Jesus said to them, I didn't come for the, for, for the healthy, I came for the sick. And then he says that, remember that one little thing. He says, go and learn what this means. I don't want sacrifice. I want mercy. You see the order of this? Matthew ends up being the author of an entire gospel, the New Testament, forever and ever, until the new heaven and the new earth, Matthew will be known as a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. Not because he made himself good, And appeased Jesus, but because he was a traitor and malicious and a thief. And when Jesus said, Matthew, come with me, he did. So Jesus received and accepted him just like he was. And then Matthew became obedient. The same is true of the other two stories that if you, and I encourage you, if you look in the bulletin, read those other ones and you'll see. That Jesus didn't first fix someone and then love them. He loves them and then he chooses not to, not to leave them that way. Now here's the curious thing about this story in the gospel according to Matthew. And we're wrapping up. In Mark, when Mark tells this story about the calling of Matthew, it's labeled and the name is Levi. So Matthew's name before he was Matthew was Levi. But Matthew refuses to call himself by the name of the person he was when he tells the story. Because Jesus didn't come up to him and say, hey, Matthew, come with me. He called him Levi. But Matthew has been so transformed, so, so, so changed, so loved by the one who loves better than anyone else in the whole universe loves, that he cannot see himself for who he was. He can only see himself for who he is. See, the old is gone. The new has come. So if you want to sin less, love more. If you want to be closer to Christ, experience the fact that he has chosen to live in you. You want to be closer to Christ, let him love you more. Understand that when, when, when you're standing there and you've messed up and you've got that pile of sin right here, like old nasty fish that's been out sitting out in the sun. Ill-wise, remember when those used to wash up on shore? That smell, okay? And you're looking at your sin and you're so ashamed. And you kind of have this picture that Jesus is over here and I'm going to, this is the sin, you're I love you because I have to. What are you going to do about that? You know where he's standing? If this is your pile of sin and you're right here, he's right next to you with his arm around you. And he's saying, you know what? We'll get to it. But I want you to know how dear you are to me. I want you to know how much I cherish being with you. I want you to know that I will never be further away than I am right now. See, Matthew was so changed and Jesus wanted to teach even in calling him with all the other sinners. He said, I don't desire sacrifice. It's not about denying stuff. I'm not saying go sin. But even the woman at the well, when he says go and sin no more, what did he do? Did he condemn her? No. He loved her. Jesus did not come to condemn you. He came to love you. And he is as close as he's ever going to be, and you have as much of God as you're ever going to have. The only difference between him being all that he is and living where he lives is whether or not you see him as living there and loving you or whether you see him as living there and being disappointed with you. See, the order matters. If you try to sin less so you can love more, it's not going to work. But if you love more, the byproduct will be that you sin less. So we have to get things in proper order. Let's pray. Almighty God, as the band comes up, remind us of the words that Kurt spoke a few moments ago, that we are not, we are not people who consume worship. We are people who offer it. So, Lord, as we offer these praises to you, as we leave here knowing how much you love us and knowing that we can know you even better because you know us completely, help us see ourselves the way you see us, not as failed sinners, but as beloved saints who are still going to mess up on occasion. (laughs) Pray these things in Jesus' name, through the power of your spirit, for the glory of God our Father. Amen. In that story, there are three types of people. There's the doctor, Jesus, said so that, you know, you the healthy don't need a doctor. There's the sick. And then there's those who are questioning the doctor's credentials. The judgers, the pointer outers, the ultra-religious people. And Jesus calls them out but communes with the sick. Which one are you? The sick who needs a doctor and he's there and only wants you better? Or are you one of those people that's going to prove to everybody that you know better and you're going to do it better than God? I told you that that you got as much God as you're ever going to get. You can't get any closer. The difference is how we experience that. My friend Tim Vink talks about it like this. If you take a two-liter bottle, pop bottle, nothing in it, right? It's deep, but there's a small opening at the top. What we ask God to do is to open the top, make the top bigger so we can receive and understand more of what he, how he sees us and what he wants for us. Instead of making it narrow and hoping we can go deep, Make it wide and deep and high and long. That's the love of Christ. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious to you. The Lord turn his countenance toward you. That's the look on on God's face. And I guarantee you, God is smiling at you and give you peace. And all of God's people say, Amen. amen. Go within in the peace of Christ.